Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. We've got a special treat for you here this morning where myself and Gord actually get a chance to sit down with Josh Smith and chat about his past teaching from this last Sunday. It's really exciting where we get to know a little bit more about Josh, his heart, and where he was going with the message, and really dive into this idea of what it looks like when we think there's a period in our life Think of it like a sentence when a period comes and it's the end of the sentence, but really God wants that to be a comma and he's got so much more for us. I'm pumped that you're here with us and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, here we are, guys. Uh, and Gord, we have a special guest with us here. Don't, we ever. Don't we ever. Our preacher this weekend is Joshua Smith. And so he's joining us for the podcast. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, great to have you on board. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, we're just going to kind of dive into what we would normally do, Josh, and we'll kind of um, kind of chat about your teaching, but also chat about maybe some of the things that you didn't get a chance to go like deeper into or give us some more context and, and stuff. But as always, we like to keep things a little light at the beginning. And I feel like if I remember correctly, you were alluding that in your sermon um, that you as a child were were maybe not the there were some stories there yeah oh yeah so early on i mentioned some stuff with like my mom coming home and saying things but just to clarify it was mom coming home and saying things not that i necessarily done them so i actually was like a little bit like a goody two shoes what a crock nobody believes that not even that's what you haven't met my brother yet no i'm just kidding but it was uh to be i actually wasn't it wasn't like (laughs) <laughs> the Pokemon card one was me and my best friend, but then the other ones, my brother's just like really creative and like very experiential learner. So, okay. yeah, that's what <laughs> okay. happens. I'm so, sure those parents are there that have kids. So then like tell that, us so. the story about the flower everywhere. The flower everywhere? I honestly don't even really remember. I just remember that moment of like, like looking around and seeing there's being a little bit like all over the place. It's funny how like those kind of random things will stick out in your head, right? Like, yeah, what will stick with you about. Yeah. Well, how about the water story? Do you remember that one? Yeah, that one, the tap was like left running. It was literally just the kitchen sink was running the whole time. Oh. Yeah, and that's what happened. Yeah, that one, I, can't, I remember that one a lot more distinctly. And I think most of us have some version of that, don't we? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, Gord, this isn't for details on you and me with what we've gone through. <laughs> it's just on Joshua. It's just on Josh. At this and Josh's he claims brother. he has jo- not- Right, Josh's yeah. brother. <laughs> and, and, yeah, Josh's brother. He claimed he has nothing to do with it. Right. It's oh, true. please. I was, I was like, I was like the, like, annoyingly good kid growing up but that's like yeah it was just that's what it was i don't know why but and then of course you get a little older you start to explore a couple of things but yeah Yeah. just like curly blonde hair just listening to whatever mom and dad said going for drive with the grandparents so that was too funny i was growing up so was it all like a landslide though once you hit your teens yeah no i don't think so (laughs) other people might disagree but i think things were okay that's good yeah it's good I had a few moments myself, but we're not going to go into those details. <laughs> Gord's giving me a real funny look right now. <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm being in, uh, invited to uh, to you know fess up or something. <laughs> from from about grade nine on, I was a train wreck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Grace must win, and and it, yeah, that's right. it has continued almost till today. <laughs> well, 
Well, I don't know about that. Train wreck. <laughs> well, Josh, one thing we like to do um, is for our listeners, too, who maybe haven't gotten a chance to hear your teaching or uh, maybe who did hear your teaching but just need a little refresher, maybe just like a quick 30,000-foot view, where you were going, a quick summary of kind of uh, what your teaching was all about from this past Sunday. Yeah, so we looked at First Kings 3 and like the back half of that chapter. And we talked about, this is a story where Solomon, uh, two women come to him, uh, two harlots. If you had your Bible in front of you, you would have saw the word prostitutes. We just cleaned that up for yep. people in the room. So these women come and uh, one says, it's my kid. There's a no, it's my kid. And the end of the story, Solomon says, well, let's just cut it in half. And you may be familiar with this story before, but he says, let's cut it in half. And the actual mother says, no, don't do that because I, I want my baby not to die. <laughs> and uh, from that story then, and that wisdom that God had gifted him with, he becomes renowned. And so through that story, what we looked at was, like when we hit things in our life that feels like it's a dead end or an issue that we feel like there's not more to, it's just time to give up, we feel defeated by it, that we can look at the example of that mother. It was Mother's Day. I don't know mm -hmm. when someone was listening to this, but it was Mother's Day. And so we looked at that mother's story, and she, she brought like a passion to not stop. And there's moments in her story where you can see it'd be easy to quit, and she didn't. Um, and then after that, we looked at that sacrifice of, I'm sure what she was going after wasn't the other woman to have the kid in the end. Hmm. So she had to sacrifice her vision of what she thought it would look like. And all of it only works, this is the third point, all of that only works because she trusted the king. Uh, at that point, the king was pretty new. This is actually the first story of his wisdom. And so she had to trust this new king. And if she can trust that king, then how much more can we trust our king? and that wisdom that God brings. And uh, then just the last point is that God brings it all together. And just in that way that when she was going after that, I don't think she thought that that was going to set up a story that would affect thousands of years and a, a whole nation through Solomon's wisdom. But God had that bigger story going on. And kind of finish with this idea that there's going to be times in your life that you feel like there's a period, like something's over, like it's the end of the sentence. And God is saying, no, this is just a comma. There's more to come. And so that's kind of, a, a quick recap of yeah, the yeah, message. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a great line, easy to remember, very portable. Mm. But I understand that there's a story as to where that came from. You want yeah. to talk to us about that? Yeah. So when I heard that that phrase, I was partway through my undergrad at St. Mary's, and I was just like just like down around the university campuses. And Mike Miller, who was working with Rock Church at the time, had a really like, a really exciting university ministry going on. And so me and a friend had nothing really going on that night, so we went to go check it out. And that, his message, that's what he talked about, was that idea of don't put a comma where God, God is a period. And sorry, other than I don't put a period where God is a comma. And I just loved that, that image. And so yes. when he was talking about it, he was actually looking at uh, Matthew 17 and the Transfiguration. And that moment where the, like they're seeing like the heroes of their faith, right? Like if you're a basketball player, you're like with Kareem and Jordan, everybody shows up. And you just want to sit there and hang out in that space, right? All those guys in their prime. And like Jesus is like, no, like we're not staying here. Um, and sometimes he actually was looking at the other side of the same coin. But when he was talking about it, he was talking about the idea that you're going to be in something so good that you don't want to leave it to go back to real life, but you have to. Oh, interesting. And it's, like, you think of that, like, that summer camp experience for anyone who's, like, worked yep. or gone to summer camp, right? Like, mm -hmm. you get to the end of the summer, you just want to stay there, uh, but God's plan is for more than that. 
And so just don't don't stop where God wants you to keep going. So it's the same principle, just in a, in a different setting. So let me ask you a question, because people, we see sometimes that same dynamic at work. Yes, you mentioned summer camp, mm. but also people who go on missions trips. Right. And they have these real great experiences when they're away. But we really know that it's not just about the missions experience. Uh, God is equipping us. So how about you comment, would you mind commenting on that, that just that the reason we can't stay at that place is that that place is often an equipping thing, like it was on Transfiguration, like it is in the summer camp, like it is in a mission strip, that really what God's doing is equipping us for the next thing. Yeah, totally. I think even when you look at even like in the text again that we just talked about, that idea at the end there that God had a bigger thing going on. And so like what what you're called to do, whether no matter where you're at, whether it's a camp or a mission or somewhere, that when you're experiencing that high and that moment of like being in the presence in that way, that if you just stop and decide you're just going to stay there all the time, you're going to miss the bigger plans that God has, right? Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Is it, is, do you think it's a little scary to move on? Can it be scary to move on from what you think is a period when really it's a comma? Mm. A little scary to move on from that? Yeah, like especially in the positive sense in particular. Like when you're somewhere that feel like you never want to get out of the hot tub. Do you know what I mean? Like when the hot tub's warm and it feels nice, like you don't want to get out just to get out. Um, but sometimes like that's what has to happen, right? Like you've got a kid crying, you've got to get out of the hot tub. And so whatever it is in your setting, there's got to be reasons that you have to leave what feels good. Because there's something else that God's called you to do that work in, right? And yeah. It's not always like the exciting thing, um, but and that's like that's in that sense. And on the flip side, when you're in a scary thing, and God's saying you have to keep going, that's also terrifying. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like it's really hard to walk when you can't see. Right. So like it just for me, it's it's both sides of that. It's always scary to to keep pushing forward out of most anything. It's often because you don't always know where you're gonna end up. Right. So every time I hear someone preach about that or I hear that passage read about the two the two women and one has a baby that has died and one has a baby that's alive and the babies have been switched and the the mother of the dead baby is really claiming that the, the live baby is hers. And when we come to the place in that story where Solomon asks for a sword... And he announces that what they're going to do is divide the baby. I remember the first time I heard it, and I'd like to ask you about the first time you heard it. The first time I heard it, there was just a few minutes of horror. I Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, is that really going to be the answer? I was young. I was immature. I knew nothing. Well, what about you? When was the first time you heard that story, and what was your reaction to it? Yeah, this is like a super uneventful answer. Uh, I I don't really like remember super well. Like I think I know I was a kid. Like in our house growing up, we probably would have like read the story and stuff like that. Like we we went through whatever biblical stories, whatever it was kind of interesting at the time. So it doesn't really stick out to me in particular. I'm not sure if you guys have a different experience. Yeah, I mean for me it would have been later um, in life, probably when I was studying at uh, Crandall or. Uh, Atlantic Baptist University but um, I often can't like 
I sometimes place myself in the mindset or try to place myself in the mindset of what was going on in that scene when he pulls the sword out. Because remember this, like like Josh had mentioned, this is a new king. And so they don't they don't really like can you imagine what they're thinking? Like we as the reader are thinking, like, what what in the world is gonna happen? Well, see that that was my reaction, right? Yeah. Is because I didn't realize Solomon to be what we might call Solomon the Wise. Right. And he wasn't yet at this point in the story, right? Like, right. I can't imagine sitting there. I, I cannot imagine sitting there and someone saying, bring me a sword. And this is not like just someone, this is like the ultimate authority. Like, she doesn't just walk into the king's presence, right? She had to go through probably tons of layers of tape to get through there. And finally, after all that, just to hear we're just going to cut it in half, like, would be infuriating. Like, I, yeah. And heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, that is a good point. Like, you you say it wouldn't have been, like, an easy journey for these two women to get into the presence yeah. of Solomon. How, and you had mentioned these harlots. How, how did they get, like, it's an interesting, like, kind of picture. Like That's one of those things. We don't have any background <laughs> on it, but I'd love to know the oh, backstory. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they were well-known. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating. But it just, like, that, I, I was, it's funny, too, we're, we're getting the, uh, the eras here. Crandall mm. used to be Atlantic Baptist University when you went there. Yeah. And I went there when it was Atlantic Baptist College out on Salisbury Road. So we're, we're going back, back, there you go. way back, and I'll call Rusty. And, <laughs> Anyway, I remember hearing that the first time and just being horrified. Like, mm. is he? No, surely he's not going to cut that baby in two. What does that solve? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you, you mentioned, thinking of that idea of like putting yourself in that moment. Mm. Uh, there was another part that we had recorded and ended up like cutting out for the final, final edit of it. Just with some things going on in the, in the news right now that have to do with like children and stuff. But we'd also recorded a little bit of just exploring that that feeling of waking up that morning, like mm-hmm. being the mother and, and like waking up to your child, not like not well. First, you just think it's like your child's passed away and there's something maybe you've done wrong, mm-hmm. or and then to go from that and then you start looking for like your roommate and your coworker and you're the only ones who are living there right now. So it's like the only person and they just had a baby and you're gonna raise your kids together, and so you go looking for them for like support and you realize like that's not your kid and they have your kid like i putting yourself in that moment like i don't know how she didn't just like do something she shouldn't have done right yeah like, and you can crazy. almost see you can almost see the eyes wide and the mouth open uh, mm-hmm. with uh, like just out of disbelief i can't believe you have my child and you're trying to give me your deceased child yeah hmm. well, one thing we didn't really, i didn't really explore it too much for like what we were talking about but i had read one commentary talking about how like that mother who who takes the child obviously is seen in a very negative light and not to defeat that she is but it was an interesting take on the idea that the fact that she wanted to be a mother so much and didn't like because again like knowing their profession and their social standing having a kid's actually a pretty big inconvenience yes but that woman wanted to be a mother so much that she would go through this to become one even though so it's interesting like I didn't wrap my mind into that because it wasn't really where we were going, but 
Right. There's there's a heart of a mother right there. Oh yeah. It's sure. like probably pretty broken and obviously broken people do broken things, right? So that's the thing, right? Yeah. That's why grace must win. Hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. No, that's interesting, like that um yeah, trying to get your head into the perspective of the other mother, like you said, who we can sometimes almost vilify mm-hmm. and, and such. Um, fascinating, too, like, sometimes we like to sort of unearth some of the behind-the-scenes process of what it means of, of actually, like, writing a sermon and coming to it. And you had mentioned, you know, there were things that you wanted to be culturally sensitive to that are going on in society. Do you find, like... Like, how important do you find, Josh, that is in, in for our role being, this might take us down a different road, but being aware of what's going on. Now, probably the one that you were talking about, it's, it's very prevalent. Everything's very prevalent right now. But, like, do you think it's important for us to, to kind of keep our eyes and our nose to the ground for cultural awareness and what lands, what doesn't? Yeah. Speak, speak into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like a, that's a little bit of a softball. Uh, yeah. I'll take that. Uh, no, I totally agree. I think as like in this situation, like I got in my role as I was preaching, my job in that situation was to take what God has taught me as teaching me about that text and make it available for other people to receive well. Right. And so you, you can't receive well if I don't put it into context that people can pick it up in. And so, uh, <laughs> it's fine. I, I picture myself like trying to give someone like a pile of slime, but not putting it in a, a container first that they can hold on to. So it's that idea of like contextualizing the mm-hmm. the truth that's in there, so people can hold on to it and get it. Um, part of it too sometimes is the right time. Now, obviously, there's like the what's the big story going on right now in the world, um, and COVID obviously is like the big one. But there's also things around Mother's Day too. Like that was that's because yeah. Mother's Day has a lot of baggage for some people right Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was just in fact there's probably baggage for just about everybody isn't there yeah i feel like there's going to be some point where mother's day is concerned oh yeah Um, for some um, i had a conversation just this morning with a woman who would very much like to be a mother and can't so Mother's Day is a whole other thing for her. Yeah. Or imagine a mother who was a mother and uh, her child was uh, killed in a traffic accident or, yeah. you know, whatever. Like there's, I, I understand the, the goodness. We had a great time celebrating Mother's Day. We had a couple of mothers in the house and uh, it was really fun. They were all within our bubble. Everybody relax. <laughs> Nobody called them Mounties. <laughs> They're in our bubble, but we had two mothers, and it was wonderful, and it's a wonderful day. But also a day that for many uh, has a lot of pain. Mm. So uh, tell me about that going into that text. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I mentioned this to you before. Um, I think it was a lot. I was like, I had a message that I was really excited about, and I like prayed over the text and considered the text. But I like this is just, I missed it. Like there's like I don't know how I did, but you ever you ever get so into something that like you you start to like yeah. almost like forget how it happened. Um, but I, I sat. It was like the week of recording, 
And I, I looked at it and I was like, do you know what? This probably, this is, because I really want to share the story of a mother. Like that was my heart for the Mother's Day message was, okay, where's the story about a mother that we can all learn from? This biblical example. And uh, I'd picked a story about a woman who had dealt with like childbirth being a problem mm. was where I kind of landed. And I was like, you know what? Like, this probably isn't the right day for this. Um, and I ended up having to take, like, just look for another text and did research and prayer over that one and see where God was leading me. But, yeah, there's there's times to not say things. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, the, that's you're the right. root, right? So. It's interesting, too, because you, like, not correct me if I'm wrong, but you, like, asked to do Mother's Day, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's interesting. And you know what his next one is? Father's Day. <laughs> Father's Day. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, like the tradition I grew up in, it's really, really, both both in a church sense, but also in a family sense. And this isn't to downplay Mother's Day or Father's Day, but like both of those days in my household were like nothing. Like it just wasn't, a, like dad always made the joke, you know, every day's Mother's Day or every day's Father's Day. And so we, you know, we might do something, but there was, it was, there was nothing. And so it's been really interesting for me, like almost like a total cultural shift because for some people in some families, some traditions, oh man, it's a huge, huge thing. But I came from like zero, <laughs> like absolutely nothing. It's, it's a weird, I would say it's a Nova Scotian thing, but Josh, well, actually all three, wow, guys. All three of us <laughs> yeah, Nova hey, Scotians. Hey, hey, how about that? How about that? We're in foreign territory right That's now. Right. So, now see, it's, it's funny how you grow up. I grew up in an environment where even at our church, I became a Christian early teens and so got exposed to church culture. But um, people wore pink carnations if their mothers, or red carnations, if their mothers were still alive. And if their mothers were not, they wore white. Wow. Like to, on, on Mother's Day to church. On Mother's Day to church. Fascinating. I, I don't know if I want to say this or not, but like I feel like in some ways it would help you not to step on your own toes. Like you would know what to say a lot easier, to be honest. Like, like I find it hard with some mothers like, like talk, to know, like, hey, like, even in that chat, I'm not sure if you guys, like, felt this way or not, but, like, for me, I don't know everyone in the church yet. Like, mm. I, I start full-time this week. I think it's late this week that I start, early next week. And, like, to see, too, because I know the mothers of the youth, but, like, I don't know some other people's stories sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so to know, like, hey, do I say nice to see you or happy Mother's Day to you? Right. You just, it's funny. Just, like, again, we're talking about, like, the, the awareness of what's going on and responding well. For sure. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, so culturally, where do you go on that? Yes, and that's so. so <laughs> We're here to learn from you. So Gordon. the celebrate, <laughs> no, stop. The celebration of mothers, it's a great thing. And this weekend, you know, all of the news channels have been filled with heartwarming stuff. Whole families that went and stood outside the windows of the nursing home to try to express Happy Mother's Day to the mother and Grammy and great Grammy that's in the window. And th there were some wonderful things, you know, some very thoughtful things done. But for others, it's a very painful day. 
I did appreciate um, like Sonny's line, uh, his the words that he chose, which you could tell were intentional, uh, when he was like opening up the service, you know, just sort of saying like, for you aunties and your like he just had a whole all of those who have yeah. that role in yeah. children's lives yes because there are lots of those oh yeah for me even like opening the message it was like i called out that special thanks to my mom and my grandma who are still with us yeah. but also like patricia and caroline who are some of these like spiritual grandmothers to me that like mm-hmm. and i don't I, I know one of them i don't think has any kids um at all no. but like but she has so many like people like my faith and my view of like Christ and my view of like the work of the Spirit is so influenced by those women that yeah. So is the Carolyn the Carolyn I know? Sorry, oh, Caroline. No, no, she's from Caroline. Yeah, she. Yeah, they're both from Halifax. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's super funny when you like. So when you had said that in the sermon, um, I'm sitting there beside Caitlin, right? And Caitlin thought you said Carolyn. Yeah. And then Caitlin hits me, goes, "Ha." Huh. Carolyn's not that old. She wouldn't be a grandmother. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it just made me laugh. But, yeah. That's funny. So what else? So you, they, they always say, Josh, that you can't preach it all. You can't say it all. But is there anything else that you would have brought forward had there been time to say it all? I think, like, for me personally, looking at the text, um, that what really stuck out to me is what we talked about. But I feel like if you were to take that text from a lot of different angles, like if you were to focus on Solomon versus focusing on the mother or focusing on, we mentioned just briefly here already, focusing on the mother who lost their child. Um, I feel like I feel like there's a lot more there if you're going to take this from different angles. But I really just focused on the one. Um, I can't... <laughs> it's weird if you look at like Solomon I also didn't really want to look at Solomon too much because that's normally how we think about the story and the Mother's Day context again but I wonder like it says like he knew through God's wisdom like I wonder how he felt that hmm. do you know what I mean like is it were yeah. all of his decisions now God's wisdom or were some decisions like a, like the I don't know that feeling in your gut like God's pushing you somewhere do you know what I mean so, so let's can, can I back you up a yeah. little in that so let's back up to the point in the story and let's look through Solomon's eyes. Solomon sees these two women. They come before him. There's one live baby and two women. And he now knows that there is a, a dead child that has belonged to one of them and the live child belongs to one of them. On the face of it, doesn't it seem like an impossible thing to mm. sort out? Like if mm. if you took it to court today, they'd say, "Well, it's her word against her word, and there's no, there's no, there's no way out of this." You know, like one woman said, yeah. yeah, yeah. pre DNA testing, yeah, pre DNA <laughs> testing." So you don't have that. But you know, one mother says, "Well, the baby belongs to me, and the dead one belongs to her," and the other one says, "No." No, that baby is mine, and the dead one belongs to her. Like, it's it's just two women and one baby, both claiming the child. Like, it almost seems hopeless mm. to sort out, right? Except for what you call the wisdom of God. So talk to me about any time for either of this for either of you. Oh, you're not escaping. 
either of you, when you have just had an insight from the wisdom of God, and you knew it was him, and you knew it was right. Yeah, I got I got one. This is like my go-to one for that one. Okay, I good. Got, yeah, you got one in your pocket, right? Like this the, <laughs> uh, For me, and this was actually a really good one here because um, this is kind of a crazy story, and I don't think that God always works this way either. Like, And if I heard the story from someone else, especially if I heard it partway through, I would have thought that I was full of it. But So just hear me out to the end okay. of where it goes. So... I was actually up in Moncton. So, again, I grew up in Dartmouth. I lived in Halifax um, my whole life in the area. And I came up to visit a friend who was at Crandall. And this would have been, he was a first year. I would have been, like, partway through St. Mary's. So, let's say, well, it was, like, it was around when the building campaign, as there's a big sermon about the building campaign. It was here that we ended up going for church that week. So, anyway, so we go. I didn't know it was Louisville at the time, but... There was, I was hanging out with like Danny DeLong and uh, Matt Wheaton, and they were friends with Chris Weigel. And so they took me to church here. And we were in church in the gym, and the sermon was great. And it was all about this big building thing. And God's like starting this new, and he's doing this. And I was like, oh, this is a really great message about a building campaign. This is so good for this church to hear. And the banners on the wall were up along the side, and they're preaching through those. And as I left that message, I was like, this is great for them. And on the last song, I felt like this weight on my chest. Like this, like unmovable way to my and I was like, oh, of course that's how it works, right? It's like this is message for them. It's all about them, and I wasn't like <laughs> putting it on me. Uh, but anyway, so that feeling, God is kind of sneaky that way. He'll chase you down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't shake it. Like it took me. It was a few days. I couldn't get this like weight off my chest, and so I went to Bayside and I said, hey, can I have a cabin for for two days? I just want to pray, and so I went away for like two days. Brought my Bible. I put on some worship music and just like spent time like prayer and reading, trying to figure out what God was saying. Mm-hmm. So now it's probably been like a week and a half after the message and like this weight, I was like, just so real. Um, and this is part where like, okay, Josh, but I felt like what God was telling me at the time, I was dating someone who was like a really awesome person in the future, ended up getting married to like a roommate of mine who like is also a really awesome person. I'm really excited about them. Uh, but at that point it was like, it's like, you need to, you need to call that off. Really, and so which is like the most like oh yeah sure thing, but <laughs> but this is where I'm here at the end of the story right okay other one more tidbit along the way uh, as I mentioned this story this is what I thought God was saying she said well if this is what God's saying for you then He's also saying there's something else for me so thank you for opening up that blessing and I was like I shouldn't have broken up with her what was I thinking <laughs> like she's, she's she's amazing no but uh, so it was like it ended really well that way uh, and then like two weeks after that I was. Given for the first time, like I, I applied for something I didn't think I'd get it, but I got my first ever scholarship and it was for fourteen thousand dollars for one semester, and I ended wow. up going to France for six months uh, for school, totally paid for everything, and while I was there, is when I had that moment of like, where where your faith goes from being like a head thing to a heart thing, right? Where it's like not just something you can say, but something that like you can't shake anymore, hmm. and I can, I none of that would have been set up without that moment, right? So now fast forward five years later. So that's like the, the wisdom, God was giving me that wisdom, that word to say, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is like crazy. So five years later, I come back. At this point, Lauren and I have just met. And I came up to Moncton to come visit her. And we come to her workplace, being, being the church here. And I didn't know, remember, I didn't remember what church I was at when really? all this happened. So then we walk into the gym. And the second I walk into the gym with Lauren, I look around, I'm just like, what in the world? 
like banners on the wall. The banners are on the wall, and it's in a, it's in a gym. I thought I was in a school. Like my memory, because I was like, oh, there's a gym. There's probably some school I was at. But like, and then it all just came back. I was like, oh yeah, they talked to Matt and Danny and Chris. Yeah, this is the church, and like how God had, was working on that. Like I wouldn't ended up meeting Lauren, which is like the best thing ever, and I wouldn't have ended up being here, and I wouldn't have like ended up having that moment where God just like helped me like just flick that switch, wow. and all of it is set up by that. Thing, which is just crazy because you show up to a church one time that you didn't really have a connection at at that moment and so god's god anywhere right like <laughs> so when you're back in the cabin at bayside mm. and he says this relationship has to end yeah great girl whatever but okay. this has to end yeah that would feel like a period wouldn't it yeah like i didn't, like, I didn't and really it to. was a comma yeah like, there was more there was definitely and now you hear the rest of it right you hear mm. what after it comes after that comma now in that moment, like, like it wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> like, it wasn't like top of my list. But then, yeah, it's just crazy how things like that come together. And that's like a very like long. It took a long time to get that mm. to the end of that story. And there's probably more coming too to it. But I feel like that's part of this this idea that you mentioned things I would love to have spent more time on. And the, like as I'm reflecting through that, I think the idea that it can take a really long time to see what comes after that comma, right? Like. You can spend a, a long time before, <laughs> like, the promises that you feel like God or things that God's working in your life actually come to fruition. Yeah. Um, and that that's where that, like, endurance and that passion keeps you going. Mm. Um, but, man, it's hard to wait that long sometimes for things to, to move forward. Yeah, it's like that in between, like, when we think it's a period and then the discovery that, okay, it could be a comma the continuation of that sentence is an instant, right? Right. It yeah. can take a long time. I often think of the story and, um, I think there's actually a book by a, a pastor who wrote a book, uh, expounding on it. Um, it's called the land in between. Is that what he's in? He was basically looking at the story of the, the Israelites in the desert, right? Oh yeah. The land, the, uh, the land between or the like, yeah, the land between. Yeah. Great book. If I can remember what it's actually called, but you guys showed the sermon here once. Yes, yes. And um, it was like, it, it's kind of funny, Josh, that you shared a story about like hearing a sermon here, here at Louisville and such. What's funny with me is that it's a similar similar kind of story with me, except, a, sorry, Gord, but it wasn't Gord who was preaching. It was a video. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he really kind of talked about this. This was like for me, um, graduated Crandall. I had gone tree planting. I had come back, zero plans, like nothing. And I was just sort of, I was like, I was literally living, I think, on Bob and DJ Moore's couch <laughs> and just trying to figure out, you know, what's next. And and uh, that sermon was just really kind of talking. I can't remember all the details of it, but just yeah. talking about um, that, that to, to put it into your, your context and your words there, Josh, like, that distance between the comma and the rest of the sentence can take a long, long time. And for me, it probably didn't come full around for another couple of years. I went back out tree planting like the next year, only lasted a week. My whole arm got messed up with um, tendonitis. So like still to this day, my left hand uh, is like can get really bad sometimes. Like in the winter, it's horrible. Um and yeah, and so I was like, oh, shoot, 
I should probably come back home. And Caitlin and I had only just started kind of dating within that springtime. So I went back to work at Camp Wildwood. And Jeff Brace said to me, he's like, yeah, I'll take you, but I we don't we don't have any money for you at all. But I was like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> and so, but it was through that experience that I sort of discovered this idea of uh, my heart gaining more for camp ministry and then God opening doors for me into aspects of ministry that I never thought were possible. But that would have started with me really sitting down being like, what is next? <laughs> have you found that like, letting God kind of finish that, helping finish that sentence, right? Like mm-hmm. letting God wait on that has affected your ability to let other things be waited on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, has that like created, has have worked that muscle a little bit that like yeah. to lead out? Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I'm like, I'm my head right now is kind of in like mental prep space for, cause I'm speaking this coming Sunday. And so I'm talking about hope and, perseverance and things of this and how do we experience hope well we have to go through trials and if you don't go through trials and you don't really have an understanding of hope and like the trials are the things that flex that muscle to give you that better understanding of the sentence being completed so yeah i i now that i think about it yeah for sure i think like a simple answer to be like yeah i think going through that experience has definitely caused me to have a better perspective not that it makes it easier. <laughs> like, it can still be tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's totally true. Like, I can look at the second time, like, that comes down with the God's wisdom and, like, trusting it. It became so much easier. I'm sure there's been little ones, too, but, like, before moving to Moncton, I was in Halifax. I just graduated with my MDiv. And I was trying to find work. And Lauren and I had met, like, seven months before, and we were dating, and it was, like, really serious. And, like, I was... Like, we were ready to get engaged, but I would really wanted to live in the same city first to see how it felt. Uh, and it was just like I was applying to a bunch of jobs and stuff, and whatever. Things kept falling through on, the, like, the last second. And then I remembered, and I called Lauren. I was like, God God told me just, like, to come be here, not to have it all figured out. Hmm. So I was like, so I called her that and said, I'm going to move, like, next week. Like, I don't have the money yet. I have enough money to get by for a month. And it will just, like, this is what God said. God said to go, not to have the answer, right? So I just kind of like, okay, let's, like, let's see what happens. Uh, and then the next day I got a phone call from a job I'd applied for a month earlier and didn't even get like the, we've received your application. We'll hear like not a word for a month. And then within a week I was hired and it just, everything just fell together like super fast after that. And there's something about that, like that leaning out to trust God sometimes. Mm. And in that case, like I got caught like right away. (laughs) Uh, and that was a really, really great blessing. Uh, but it's not always that fast. Mm. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, by the way, that message uh, for listeners who want to follow up on that, it's Jeff Mannion, M-A-N-I-O-N. And it was a message at the Leadership Summit back a few years ago, and it's called The Land Between. The Land Between. And it's on, uh, it's YouTubeable. So, for someone uh, someone who's kind of stuck there or wants some encouragement, it is a great encouragement enough yeah. that we showed it to our entire congregation, congregation. that morning, and uh, you happen to be among them, Adams. Yeah. So uh, we would just recommend that as, oh, yeah. as something if people want to follow up. I remember sitting in, because we were in the gym at that time, mm-hmm. and sitting in the gym, and I had a whole row of my friends with me, 
And it was like they were all getting hit with it, but not for them personally, but for me. <laughs> oh. they, they were all like smiling. Oh, they were all like, oh, Adam, like, uh, this is for you, they dude. They were like looking down the row. Oh, this is, this is for you, hey? And I was like, yeah, I know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, God has a way of teaching us. Uh, so we've been sharing stories here. Let me tell you one. Mm. I graduated from Gordon College with a BA in Biblical Studies. But I did not have a very good work ethic. And I consistently underachieved. So I graduated, but my marks weren't great. I only applied to one seminary. I applied to Gordon-Conwell. And I did that because every Gordon-Conwell, we, we used to call them Gordon guys, every Gordon guy that I knew, and there were a number of them around when I was growing up and when I was at Atlantic Baptist College, thinking people like uh, Ralph Richardson and um, the Stairs Boys and uh, some of them were missionaries. John Keith was a missionary. There were a number anyway. So I had in mind that I was going to be a Gordon guy and um, I applied to Gordon. I had great references but lousy marks. And I was back here in New Brunswick, and I got this letter that says, sorry. At the time, uh, Gordon Conwell had 600 students. They were taking in uh, 200 new ones a year because they would graduate 200 and add 200. And they had something like 700 applications. So they had the freedom to say no to most of them. I got this letter. I was devastated. It never occurred to me that it would be impossible for me to be a Gordon guy. And it was a period. And I called. I called down to Gordon Conwell with the letter still in my hand, like I, it was that. And I talked to the guy involved, and I said, look, you don't understand. I'm supposed to be a Gordon guy. <laughs> <laughs> and there was some remark about, yeah, well, God hasn't told us about that yet. <laughs> so so, so I, I just, he said, well, leave it with me. Call me back a few days later and he said, okay, here's the deal. You need to take two courses at a state university so they will not be in biblical and theological studies. Take two courses this fall. And you have to have a minimum of a B plus. Now, a B plus down there is between 87 and 90. It's less than that here in Canada, I think. Yeah, some schools. Yeah. So you need to have a minimum of B plus, and then we would admit you um, on a probationary basis. I took Literature of the American Dream, a master's level English course, and a U.S. history course. I had no U.S. history. <laughs> Literature of the American Dream, I didn't know anything about American lit. Here's the thing, I had to work like a dog in both courses, because I had no option. I couldn't get by on what I knew, because I didn't know anything. And when we came to the end, I had B plus in one and A minus in the other. 
so they let me in. But the comma wasn't just about God having more stuff for me. That was true. But it was what he wanted to teach me mm-hmm. in the comma. There were some things I needed to take in, and I needed to take in that you can't just mail it in when you get at that level. Yeah. You have to really work. Mm. Now, the man who, who made that ruling about the provisional came to me the last term of my last year at Gordon, and he just said, I'm really glad we let you in, because he said, your marks have gone up consistently, You've done really, really well, and we would have missed out on that. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I would have missed out. But there really was something for me to learn at the comma. Mm-hmm. So, you know what's really stuck out with me in that story is uh, something you said kind of earlier in it, too, when you said, I didn't have really great marks, but I had really great references. I was like, oh man, that's salvation right there. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that preaches. That preaches. I got. I don't got good marks, but I know who got the good reference for me, so I'm good. Well, like, see, well, see, I, I was in ministry, right? Yeah. So, in terms of ministry, things had gone really well. So the ministry references were good, yeah. but I just wasn't a very good student. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yet. That's sweet. I feel like that could also this. This whole idea that we're talking about, this that like the distance between uh, the comma and the next sentence, that could be like a. I'm always thinking like that could be a teaching, a new teaching series. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, 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 really. But um, Josh, just as we're closing up here, um, do you have any sort of like final thoughts, final things you'd like to say? It it could be whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for guys. Thanks for the opportunity here. Uh, it was good. Like. It's funny, I was prepping the message. I was like, man, it's been a while since I've been working these muscles again, that idea. And so, I, I would nice. just let me interrupt, Josh. If, if you haven't heard the message, mm. uh, Josh, God used Josh to do a really good job on Sunday. So I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to the message. And um, even after listening to the podcast and having gotten the, the 30,000-foot uh, synopsis, go back and listen to the message anyway. And uh, just want to encourage you in that. Thank you. Yeah. That's the, uh, the other thing that I just want to share is like, uh, thank you to the people in the church. I, I got a lot of message of encouragement, like tech people texting me and stuff like that afterwards. And it can be pretty like, as like the guy who doesn't preach like super often right now, it can be pretty um, nerve wracking just to put yourself out there like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And just get that, like that support from the congregation. Just like reminds me why there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Like I love our church. I love our people. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah, that's like my final. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, Josh. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you again on Father's Day. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Adams. Okay. See you guys. See you.